Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Help? I need somebody help. Always somebody. Uh, is, is there, <laughs> I just had, I had way too much fun with that. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, I know it's always been comparing myself to others or uh, being afraid to ask for my needs to get my needs met because I feel like then you would abandon me or it was just like feeling like I'm not enough. The service BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Hear it from a a review written by BetterHelp user CH after counseling with Dr. Carmen Velazquez for two weeks on issues concerning depression intimacy-related issues, self-esteem, and ADHD. Quote, Dr. Velasquez is great. She checks in frequently over chat, had good availability on the app, and has a lot of tactical methods to try, which I appreciate. End quote. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's even more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those that need financial support. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. Always wanted that little slash before my name. Now I have a slash. Uh, That's H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I also have a special offer for all BYKY listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. I just love saying the forward slash Leo. Again, it's BetterHelp forward slash L-E-O. Brother, man, I'm 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 excited to talk to you, man. I, I've had uh, uh, I just had a podcast with another brother who's up there in uh, New York, and uh, you know, it, especially at this time with this yeah. climate in right. America, throughout the world, not just America, the world is standing up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Are you? Are you know? Because like you said, you're in New Jersey. Are are people coming in with uh, different? Uh, issues than what they usually have come in with, or is it pretty much the same across the board? Uh, Well, more. It's a lot more, man. This thing, you know, the pandemic starting, you know, starting with that, that brought some new new clients, new cases, new concerns. And then with this, the protests and with everything that's going on, it brought even more. So, um, you know, I've always said, like, you know, when it comes to counseling, there's not people knocking down doors to go to counseling. But that's no longer the case. Like people are seriously knocking doors down to get help, to get some assistance. And it's because of COVID and, you know, dealing with the uh, racial tension that's going on in our society. So, yeah, I'm seeing a lot more people uh, dealing with a lot of, of these things. And it's it's interesting, you know, and for me, just how do I protect myself in the middle of all of it, especially being a black man, um, you know, protecting my peace and my mental and emotional health, trying to take care of other people. So, so, yeah, let's dig into that a little bit because okay. really these are all universal concepts. Whether we're talking about the protest or COVID or how to even take care of yourself as a mental health professional, uh, there's still lessons to be learned for everybody because we're, we're talking Absolutely. about uh, emotions here. And it doesn't matter what it's linked to, uh, per se. So, I, I mean, so what are you doing? Do you have a, like a morning routine? Are you are you like, man, I got to I got to pray in the morning. I need the Bible. Like what you need? <laughs> how, how are you starting your day, brother? 
Yeah, um, <clears throat> meditation. Uh, just taking a few moments to myself uh, every day. I try to walk uh, every day, get at least two miles in a day, um, and just finding ways to enhance my self care. And for me, I use a system that I've created. It's called ESPM. Um, it's a model for self-care. It's a model I designed several years ago, but it's how I use to maintain my self-care. So it's emotional, spiritual, physical, mental. And every single day I find ways to make deposits in each uh, category. And that's how I practice self-care. So I'm intentional about, okay, how did I enhance my emotional well-being today? How did I enhance my spiritual well-being today? Um, and I do this every single day. So I kind of force myself to take care of me because you know, the job that I do, I'm constantly taking care of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us an example of, of each one of those? Because I, I do a similar thing called the daily germs, where it's like journal, exercise, read, meditate, self-talk. So can you give us examples of what your ESPM looks like? Gotcha. So <clears throat> emotional, spiritual, physical, mental. I use this like a deposit, like a bank account. So this is my self-care account. Every single day, I got to find ways to make deposits in my self-care account. So with E for emotional, I think about things that brings joy to my heart. So for me, it could be, you know, coloring, watching random movies on TV, a comedy, some stand-up. That brings joy to my heart. Being able to laugh at myself or other people, uh, that enhances my emotional well-being for the day. Those are just a couple examples. Spiritual, and not to get caught up in religion, but spirituality is things that bring joy to my soul. Every morning, I'm bumping some music. Every morning, uh, when I get into the shower, when I get dressed, I'm listening to music that, that brings joy to my soul. And then physical, uh, like I said, a walk. I try to walk every day uh, or get a run in, and that enhances my physical well-being. Also, thinking about where I physically spend my time. Am I always at work? Am I going early, staying late? Uh, thinking about where I physically spend my time and then mental finding ways to learn something new and different and step outside of my comfort zone. So to me, in order for us to change, we have to be willing to become comfortable being uncomfortable. So every day I find something that I can do that's uncomfortable, that makes me grow, that stretches me. And all the things that I do is a dollar amount. <clears throat> and every dollar that I, that I do each day adds to my self-care account. And that's how I maintain. And to me, a lot of us are depleted. We don't have enough in our self-care account which means we can't handle a lot of stuff. And to me, the more deposits and investment I make in myself, the more crap I can handle every day. Yeah, I remember as a kid, my mom wanted me to, you know, pray in the morning, pray before dinner, pray at night. And I was like, man, I can't wait to be old enough to not have to pray anymore. And, <laughs> and now, <laughs> I can't wait to get out this house. I'm tired of yeah. just praying. And right. but now that I'm 44, man. I'm I, I man. I meditated twice today for 20 minutes, man. I was like, let me go sit in this corner and and and, and just be with myself, you know. Good, good. Yeah, it helps. It helps. What when when people are coming to you for COVID? What are is I would imagine it's mostly anxiety related, dealing with the uncertainty of of tomorrow and next week. Is is that what you're finding, or are there other uh uh concerns that they're presenting you there's there's a lot yes the anxiety is is one of the biggest one the fears and anxiety but also issues with uh with parents like i never had to deal with my kid this long <laughs> you know at one space i'm dealing with my kid they're not going to school and i'm homeschooling how do i find that balance or couples like i never knew how much i don't like my partner uh, until I was in this COVID situation. So even with anxiety and fear, there's a lot other family stuff that's happening to people where there's a, there's a magnifying glass that uh, shine on uh, your home because you can't leave. You can't really go and do as you please as we once did before. So we're kind of stuck in the home. And with a lot of people being stuck, uh, we're experiencing or seeing things that we normally don't see because job and just that freedom to do uh, eliminates a lot of those things. So now it's kind of like you're faced with your partner who you haven't looked at or haven't really spent time with, and now you have to do that. So that's bringing up a lot of concerns for for clients too. So uh, can can we can we peel back the layers on on the couple's part in terms of they're spending more time with each other? Like what what is it that they are seeing, experiencing, uh, feeling that they that they weren't before? Because I, I would imagine they they're, they're married, they've been together for a long time. You kind of know the quirks, the ins and outs. What's what about it is heightening it? I mean, besides the close proximity. Great, great question. Um, every every couple that I work with is different, um, and there's a variety of issues that may come up. So it's just some common ones that that I've noticed. 
is for some couples married or, or, you know, on the verge of being married, they're realizing I don't really know my partner. You know, I thought I knew him, you know, based off of how we live every day. But now we're in this close proximity. I really don't know this person. Um, so they're finding the reality of, wait a minute, you do things I didn't realize you do um, when you're here, you know, when you're at home, when I'm not here or vice versa. So it's kind of like getting to know their partners again or uh, get into a space where I thought I knew this person. And now that I'm close quarters with them, I don't know them as well as I thought. So those are some common things that happen. And also, you know, my partner gets on my, my last nerves. I didn't realize how much I get freedom when that person goes to work versus when they're here with me all day. Uh, so some couples deal with that. And then the infidelity piece where for some people, I can't see my side piece right now because we're quarantined. So <laughs> now I have to actually be a husband. I actually have to have to be here and take care of the family. So, I mean, it varies. It varies from every person. Um, and, and, you know, for some people, it's not even a, a concern when it comes to, um, you know, outside activities within marriage. But some people, that's their normal life is, you know, I have my wife and my girlfriend on the side or, or my husband and my boyfriend on the side. So that comes out during uh, a situation like this. Uh, uh, for, for the listeners uh, out there who don't know what a side piece is, it's like a mistress or. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. This is this is real life. And, and the side, the, the, the side, the mistress, you know, if they're used to spending quality time with their boyfriend or whoever they may call them and they're not able to do that anymore, then it, it becomes a problem. So, yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of this, because uh, I, I, I want to keep peeling back the layers on this, is that, okay. uh, you know, it's like if we're talking about, oh, I didn't realize you did this when I'm not here. Right. Mm-hmm. And. And so we're finding out whether we're talking about porn or just like sitting on a couch all day or, yeah. or what have you. So uh, and, and a lot of these behaviors or you, how much they eat or spend yeah. or, or whatever they do, um, there is a vulnerability piece uh, that's a part of this that, it, that people don't want to show this side of themselves to their, mm-hmm. their part. Now, what's the... What's the uh, essence of that, of like, oh, w- when they're not here, I can be this way. And then when they're here, I'm going to be this other way. Why can't we just be show all of that all the way through? Excellent thought. Excellent thought. I, I think for a lot of people, um, they haven't had to be completely authentic. And with this, uh, you know, with Corona, it forces you to just be present, you know, 24 hours a day. And that's your authentic self. So for some people within marriage, they haven't allowed themselves to be authentic because of the idea of I can't reveal too much or I can't give you all or I never really had to. I never had to give you all because you have other distractions. So with a lot of couples that they're in this place of authenticity where I can't really hide, I can't really go anywhere, um, they're showing their their true selves. And that may be something they've never done intentionally before. And now because of you know circumstances, they're revealing more of themselves because we can only wear the mask so long. And for a lot of people that's been wearing the mask, they can't hide things anymore when you're dealing with a situation that we're dealing with, unless you have that freedom and flexibility to just go to another country or whatever to get away. So we're, we're starting to see more of ourselves individually and collectively. And that's, you know, it could cause some disruption with some families. And and for the listeners, I'm highlighting all this and I'm digging deep on this because when we talk about authenticity and, and showing up as ourselves, uh, and I know that everybody listening is not in a relationship, but we, uh, I, most people have been in relationships and they haven't been able to figure out why it didn't work or why you can't find the one or, or what went astray. And, and the truth is, is that most people struggle with showing up as their authentic selves. And that's going back to how we started this about taking ownership for our part in the yes. relationship is it is like, did you, did you present as your full self from the beginning or did right. you do what you had to do to, to get promoted or, or just to get married? And then all of a sudden you, uh, you let the reins loose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you, you brought up a really good point. Like, you know, now that we're married, the, the reality comes out, you know, and I feel for some people, the idea of marriage was greater than actual marriage. So for when you're dealing with this corona and that, you know, the isolation, the quarantine, 
you actually have to deal with the marriage. It's, it's beyond the wedding. It's actually knowing your partner, being able to work together and work through being quarantined. Like this is difficult for all of us, whether you, you know, individual or with a family. Um, but it just forces you to look within because I don't know any other time in our lives, in our lifetime where we've been faced with this, where if you're single, you have to look at you every day. You have to see what's going on with you. You know, how much you're allowing the clothes to pile up, the dishes to pile up in the sink and, and seeing you. Uh, and, you know, you're not putting on different clothes and going outside. So we may work, rock the same outfit over and over again or not shower because we don't have to as, as you know, a person that's single. But if I'm in a relationship, I may try to do those things as well. And it's just it's not going to fly. It, it may not fly in my household. So I think that authenticity piece, it, being quarantined kind of forces you to look within. It forces you to look deeper than the surface. Absolutely. I'm getting that scratching noise again. Um, the when we are by ourselves and uh-huh. it's some people I think have struggled, especially, uh, you know, black men. You know, there's a there's a podcast called uh code switching uh where you present as one person uh in the hood and then you're another person at work then you know you might be uh, another person uh, maybe in your relationship but you know you just and 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 people of all cultures do this you know uh women have to do it where they're one person at work uh not have to but some women feel like they have to be one person at work another person at home or or with their kids and 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 people of different cultures, you know, it's like you have an accent, you have to, t- you know, tone it down or or what have you. Uh, so we're a lot of us are doing some form of code switching. And I think that if you spent most of your life having to do that, especially like if you grew up in a stressful home, your father was an alcoholic or uh, somebody was uh, temperamental, and so you try not to be seen. It could be hard to figure out who you are as a person. And, yes. and who your authentic self is. How do you help somebody discover their authentic selves? What are clues that, that let us know who we are? Excellent thought. Um, one of the biggest things I feel as though we don't take advantage of is opportunities around us to learn about ourselves. You know, oftentimes a lot of we, we are kind of told what we should and shouldn't do from our parents. Like that's the origin of it. So that first 17 to 18 years of life, we were told what we should or shouldn't do. And for some of us, we hold on to that still, even as adults. So part of the process to find out who I am is, you know, solitude, isolation, um, finding out the reason that I do the things I do and questioning things that I do. I feel like oftentimes we don't question the reason we do the things we do. We just do it. It's just natural. It's just normal. It just feels good. Uh, And to me, in order to change, we have to be willing to become comfortable being uncomfortable And a lot of times we're not willing to be uncomfortable, and that's how we don't grow and change. So for me to know myself, to get to know me better, I got to look within, which means I have to eliminate a lot of distractions. And to me, like this is a perfect time to start getting to know ourselves because we have time and we have less distractions to, you know, isolate or or to get our attention and time when we can start putting that within us. It's a hard process. It's a tough process. And to me, that's how you can do it individually. Uh, collectively, I feel as though therapy is a great way to start digging into finding out about ourselves and uncovering issues that's happened to us in our past that may serve as blockage for us to do the things that we truly want to do. So I feel a lot of us, we have an agenda, things that we want to accomplish that was told to us or we told ourselves that we're supposed to do that may not align with our core of who we are as individuals. Man, one thing, you know, the thing that I really love that you said in terms of eliminating distractions. Yeah. Uh, I find that with me and my girl, when we, you know, because we're, we're actually, we're, we're both working more now with this uh, quarantine than uh, we have, uh, than we did before. And, uh, and and we are together and it's under the same roof. And um, and I find that, you know, at the end of the day, we you know, sometimes we just want to veg out, watch TV. But when we don't do that and we just kind of sit on the couch and are just with each other, holding space for each other, that's when we have our our, our most intimate uh, conversations, our, our revelatory discussions. That's 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 when there's the, the, the vulnerability starts mm-hmm. to seep in. Or if we decide to go for a walk, uh, you know, uh, around the block or something, that's that's when we 
we start to connect and, and, and we're able to check in with each other uh, yeah. on a deeper level. There's something about just uh, having that space. Hey, you know, it used to be at the dinner tables, like you checked yeah. in with everybody, but now, now everybody is on a different diet. Like she doing keto, I'm doing an intermittent fat, you know, like ain't nobody mm. eating together anymore. So yeah. you, we have to create these the, the uh, space to connect so that mm -hmm. it, it versus, uh, you know, waiting once a week or until uh, uh, you find out that they cheated or something like that. Agree. I agree with you 100 um, percent. And I think like this podcast is one way of letting people know, like, it's OK to spend time to be intimate uh, with your partner or even with yourself of looking within and having those conversations um, and showing up for each other. I, I feel as though especially having a partner, that person can share things with you that they see that we don't normally see because we live it. Like if I lived this way my whole life, uh, it's not a big deal. It's not an issue. But having a partner, someone that can call me out on my stuff or, you know, point out different things that I may not notice, that helps me grow. That helps me get better. It also helps me to connect with my partner. So I, I agree with you 100 percent. Have you are, have you seen people coming in uh, with suicidal ideations uh, due to job loss or uh, breakup or divorces or anything like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've been in the profession for about 15 years, a little over 15 years now. And the clients range from all ages, race, um, SES status across the board. And it does happen uh, where people are coming in with, I feel as though I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, and this is kind of like their final attempt to reach out, to get help, to get support, to be heard, to be acknowledged, to vent, to just be seen. You know, so a lot of people was like, I, I, I've never felt that I was able to be seen or no one notices or pays attention to who I am, where I am and what I'm doing. So I do get those calls often um, where I'm, I am working with someone to acknowledge where they are, their feelings, their emotions and kind of find some help, find some resolve from things that they're dealing with that they feel as though the only way out, the only way I can free myself from this pain, frustration, anger, or everything else is to take my own life. And that's a really difficult conversation to have when someone feels as though they've given up all hope of anything. And that's the only way I can free myself. That's the only way I can eliminate this pain. What's usually that source? Like when we peel back the layers on the pain, what are we usually looking at? What's up underneath there? So the pain is an emotional response to an event. So for some of us, uh, we are aware of the event that happened. And for others, there may have been an event that happened where we covered it up so much that it didn't even, it, we feel as though it never happened. We don't know what it is. But usually there's something at the root that causes the anger, frustration, resentment, or whatever that emotion may be. And sometimes we don't know how to pinpoint what that is. Uh, and I feel as though once we're able to find out what the what the issue is, what caused the what triggered uh, the issue or caused the issue, then we can kind of resolve the issue. Some people find out they find out what that core is. Some some don't, but they're able to overcome it without knowing the root. Um, because if if this pain or something that happened to me was so traumatic, and it happened to me early on when I was young, and I, and I forgot it happened, or you know, to protect myself, I didn't dwell on it. I didn't allow myself that space. So I'm surviving in life instead of thriving because I'm a survivor of whatever that event happened. Um, and to me, with counseling, it is being able to peel back the layers to find out what's the event that happened that's causing the emotion, the anger, the frustration, the sadness. And to me, like once we're able to find that peace, it's it's a freedom that you can have from overcoming those past experiences. You know what I what's fascinating about what you said in terms of the what is the event that led to the emotional pain is yeah. that we're separating the person from the the problem versus I, I you know and especially you know I know for me sometimes like I I tend to identify with the pain and and say um you know uh, uh how 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 do I phrase this like what you're saying is there's there's a there's an event that's that's causing that's triggering the pain or sometimes I'm thinking it's just me causing the pain. Like, this is just how I'm built. This is just who yeah. I am. It's, it's part yeah. of my DNA. And, mm -hmm. and I think that when we, if we, if we focus on that, then it feels, it, then it can feel hopeless versus saying, oh, something happened outside yeah. of me. And yes. that's what, it was a smell, a scent. And sometimes 
Uh, it's the trick. It's a un, it's a subconscious trigger that I didn't so, even realize is a trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it happens to a lot of us. And I think especially for us as black men, we take ownership. We want to be responsible. Like it's I'm you know I'm the reason that I'm this way. Uh, I've been this way my whole life, and part of that we've developed things to uh, protect ourselves. So an example, say for instance, you know, a, a black man that was abused by his father or, or grandfather, he's, he's suffered from abuse his whole life, uh, may develop this sense of, I need to be strong. I need to protect myself. So they start, you know, lifting weights and bodybuilding and, you know, not being able to express emotions or show emotions because all of that was to protect themselves from being hurt. And they're no longer being hurt, but they're still holding on to what's happened in the past. So as you mentioned, that trigger, you you know, there could be a trigger around somebody challenges their manhood or tests their manhood. Therefore, I got to defend myself because the root of it is I've been defending myself my whole life, you know, um, literally and figuratively. And some people are still holding on to that. So even now, you know, that that person is being a bodybuilder and protecting themselves and, and they're OK. There's still a small part of them that they do not want to allow to be vulnerable. So therefore, I have to cover things up. And I think when it, especially when it comes to suicide, for some, it's I've been covering things up for so long and now I don't have any other results left. And that's the easiest way out. So I think it's a a lot of layers, a combination of a lot of these things. And you mentioned layers earlier, which had me think about the analogy I use all the time when it comes to to people, uh, especially in counseling, is we're, it's like an onion. There's so many different layers to us and there's a heart of that onion and that heart is where our authentic self lies. But that authentic self has been covered up with layer after layer after layer to protect ourselves, to keep us safe, or to just get through. And if you know we're going to start getting to the heart, which is being authentic, we got to peel it one layer at a time to get there. And that's hard. That's very difficult. What got you into this work, Jason? Uh, a lot of people who get into this work usually have a history uh, or a question that they themselves are trying to work through or answer. So for me, honestly, I, I don't have a sad story of what happened to me growing up and that I got into counseling because I was in counseling. That didn't happen for me. Um, I took a psychology course in high school and loved it. What was wild about it, the psychology instructor was actually the tennis coach. He didn't know anything about psychology besides, you know, I was, grew up in a Dayton public schools in Ohio. And he was the he was the tennis coach. And they said, hey, we need you to teach a psychology course. They threw him a book and gave him a, a, a classroom full of students. And he was great at what he did. He was great at teaching psychology. And that's what made me interested in psychology. And psychology led me to counseling. So I majored in psychology in college. After I graduated with a degree in psychology, I didn't know what to do with it. And I got a job as a uh, um, uh, in-home therapist. So I was a co-therapist. I was doing in-home therapy. So I go to people's houses and sit on their couch and talk to them uh, with families, uh, children, adolescents, and adults. And that's what got me into counseling. So psychology led me to counseling. Counseling led me to counselor education and continuing clinical work. And now you work mostly, uh, do, you do mostly teletherapy, correct? All, all telehealth. All uh, telehealth. telehealth, okay. Yeah, yeah. I recently switched over. Fortunately, I switched over before COVID. So this was 2019. I've been in private practice for 10 years, uh, you know, brick and mortar, the whole couch deal. And then I transitioned over to tele telemental health because I felt as though this was the next wave, you know, with technology and how things are moving in our society. I felt like this was the next wave. So I kind of got ahead of the curve. And now I do strictly uh, telemental health in four different states. Wow. And, and so what, what are some of the advantages you see with telemental health? Because I know a lot of people are hesitant or reluctant to work with a therapist uh, and via, uh, you know, uh, Skype or or Zoom or through their computer? The number one thing is convenience. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to leave your home at all, especially with COVID. You can protect yourself so you don't put yourself at risk from being out. Um, So you can be in the privacy of your own home or any space as long as you have internet access. So to me, convenience is one of the biggest uh, biggest things. The second is being able to connect with someone from anywhere. You know, there's a lot of platforms that's available where you can get a therapist from anywhere in the world. Um, and having the ability to choose a therapist that works best for you. Like telemental health gives you more options to choose different therapists that may be a good fit for you. And then you're able to get your needs met and 
you know, process, cry, vent or whatever in the privacy of your own home. And to me, that's comfort. So it takes away a lot of the, you know, initial rapport building because you're in your you're in a safe space. So you're in your safe space, wherever that is, working with a therapist, which gives you kind of a lot of flexibility to do more, in, in my opinion, that you would have been able to do with the, the brick and mortar traditional counseling. Uh, and then what do you say for people who are married and maybe they're in tight quarters and, the, you know, one of the spouses really requires some type of mental health, but they, uh, you know, they, they can't physically access it, you know, because of the quarantine or, or for whatever reason. And they want to do the telemental, but they don't want their partner to listen in on what they're sharing. What, what advice do you have for that person? Um, take advantage of outside. Take advantage of opportunities outside of the home. So if you feel, cause this, this does happen to a lot of couples and it also happens to, uh, young adults, teenagers who may be in at home, who can't get away, who want to talk about things. So you can use, again, as long as you have internet access, go into your car. I've seen a lot of clients sitting in their car in the parking lot on their lunch break and we're able to work together. And they're talking about their significant other in the privacy of their own car. Uh, some people use a, a different bedroom and they kind of Block it off as in, hey, you can't get in. You can't come in for the next hour. They turn. They have their own sound machine, you know, radio playing in the background. They find innovative and creative ways to get their needs met and, you know, keeping their partner out of that because that time and space is for them uh, and their therapist. So I've seen a lot of different innovative ways that people uh, find a way to connect with a therapist without having their partner interrupt uh, being in the same home. So sometimes you may have to leave the home or just find a safe space. Uh, also I have some clients who may be on the back patio. They find space on the back patio, they shut everything off and they just find a way to connect. So just being innovative, you can create any space that you want for counseling. I love it. Uh, now I, I want to, I want to kind of define terms because I feel like words like anxiety, depression, uh, these are like trending words right now that, that kind of get thrown out and one of the words that I, I've really noticed that's come up is boredom. P uh -huh. and, and this boredom is, is when people don't know how to deal with boredom, like it go, kind of goes back to being with yourself. And, and you talked about the mental stimulation. Um, how, how does that usually show up? Because I feel like sometimes boredom can show up as anxiety or show up as depression if it's, if it's left unchecked or untamed. Okay. Um, so part of that, that boredom piece is for some people not having an identity as in what do I do now? You know, especially now with, with the Corona, if I'm not able to go to work every day, like what am I supposed to do with my life? Or if I've gone from going to work, you know, going into an office every day and now I'm sitting in front of a computer screen trying to figure things out, like what's my purpose? What's my motivation? Why am I here? What am I doing? And that happens to a lot of us. And that, that, Boredom piece is I don't have events or activities that I value to engage in anymore because of what's going on. So therefore, that could increase that idea of boredom because I'm not doing my normal routines. I'm not able to do things that bring me value. So for a lot of us, our job, our works, our, our careers, that's value. And if I don't have that anymore, then it lowers my value system and my belief within myself, which could trigger depression, which could trigger, trigger some anxiety. What am I supposed to do now? Or with anxiety, thinking about the future, what do I, you know, what is life going to look like once this is over? What do I return to? And how do I continue to live the life that I lived before with everything different now? An example of that is someone who's used to coming into work, you know, 40 hours a week, going to an office and their job has been able to be converted to online, meaning do I necessarily have to go back to my office now when things go back to normal? That's a concern. That's a real valid concern that a lot of people have. And how do I adjust to that? Man, it's so true. It's uh, I realize that boredom, one, you know, is it's a part of life. Like we can't get rid of it. It's something that does uh, rear its, its ugly head uh, in life, but also is an opportunity for us to figure out how do we, uh, step our game up in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, stimulating ourselves intellectually. I, you know, this morning I, I just started doing like the New York times. They have these mini crossword puzzles, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, the big ones, I'm just like, uh, sometimes it's overwhelming, but the little yeah. ones, it, it releases just enough dopamine 
to uh to get me through through the day because it's just a, a couple of them and so i realized that's why also why like i snack when i watch tv because tv in itself it seems like it's stimulating enough but it's actually for the most part boring it's not yeah. our, our brains require that much stimulation so we end up snacking or uh so i'll either have like a rubik's cube while i'm watching television or i take notes on what i'm watching uh yeah. just like lessons learned or ideas or things that is said that i want to i want to share with someone else yeah yeah i think that's a great idea that a lot of people may not take advantage of it and i, I would agree with you when it comes to you know television it could be mindless and we're just doing it to fill space or fill time because we're usually using that time to do other things and television is last. And now television or social media or other ways of, you know, stimulation is primary instead of secondary. So now I'm, I may be dependent on what's the next show I can binge watch. And so now I'm binge watching and binge eating this. We're not typically designed for that, but that's what a lot of us have gone into because of, you know, the, the, the situation that we're in right now. Are, are there questions that, we should periodically or daily or uh, weekly in relationships be asking ourselves or uh, or the person that we're with just as like a check in or or to open up dialogue. Like, are, are there like absolutely, absolutely every single day? I feel as though we should ask ourselves, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Uh, because there's a lot of things that we do. We're just used to doing. We don't even think about uh, um, and does this bring value? Does it add value to my life? Also, when's the last time I did something for me? Every day you should be asking yourself, when's the last time I did something for me and me only? And we don't give ourselves permission to do things for ourselves because a lot of times we're providing. We're constantly giving and providing and we don't think about ourselves. Having those conversations with a partner. Yeah, I think that's another opportunity for everyday conversations of what do you need? What do you need more of? Um, what can I do more of? Um, the, the conversation, like the, the questions are, are endless and that check-in, I, I feel as though it's very valuable for us individually and collectively, um, to continue to grow and to change for some people. We don't know how to ask for the things that we meet, we need, or we may not even know what we need for some people. They don't even know their own their you know a hobby or activity to do because they've never done it because the activity and hobby is taking care of somebody else so to me every day you have an opportunity to ask yourself what am i doing it what am i doing why am i doing and when was the last time i've been able to do something for me you know with, with the protests uh going on right now there's a lot of emotions you know i i was i i, I can't tell you the number of times i've cried and had to journal and and is, you know, I'm going on longer walks now. And um, how do you, what do you suggest for uh, black men specifically, but uh, people in general? I feel like a lot of people are, are exhausted from uh, the, the emotional turmoil in the country right now. Uh, but we talked about walking. We talked about journaling. We talked about being in nature. Um can can you describe? Are we are we going through grief right now? What can you help make sense of the emotional trajectory of the country right now? Okay, so the first thing to me, I, I feel as though what's really important is we can be inundated with so much information related to what we're dealing with right now that can cause more emotional stress and distress. Um, what that looks like, especially for black men, is seeing another black man being murdered on television is traumatizing. And it's actually re-traumatizing because a lot of black men has had some type of experience with the police, which triggers that event and that response. So it brings those thoughts, feelings, and emotions up. And to me, a suggestion to start to, to overcome this is, number one, protect your peace, especially for black men and people of color, black women, protecting your peace, whatever that looks like for you, and then uh, protect your mental and emotional health. And to do that, to me, sometimes it's taking a time out, turning off the media, turning off the news, getting off of social media, going outside, just doing something else to stimulate your yourself, your mind, your body, um, and just taking a break. Because if you notice, since the protests begun, the news has been going 24-7. 
And you can consume as much as you want every single day. And I feel as though we have to choose to protect ourselves, to take a moment to step away from it, to recharge, to regroup. Uh, as a whole, and that's just not for black men, but that's for all of us, I feel as though it's even harder for people of color, especially black men and black women, because not only am I faced with everything that's going on uh, that's affecting me indirectly, I'm also having to deal with things that affect me directly, such as my coworkers who are clueless about what's going on or, or friends who are trying to check up on me or trying to reach out, not really knowing what to do. Some Some white guilt may be Part of the reason that they reach out, like how difficult that could be that I'm watching all these things going on, then I'm dealing with my own stuff on top of whatever I dealt with before this even happened. So it's very difficult for a lot of people, especially people of color, uh, more specifically black men and women. And I think we have to protect our peace by making choices to get out of those spaces when necessary. Absolutely, man. I, I've made it a point not to check you know, social media in the morning, at least before 10 a.m. If I could do it yeah. before noon, that's even better. And then definitely not before bed. Yes. Man, they be trying to, it's, it's just trying to gaslight you. It's incendiary. Yeah. Uh, what, what social, yeah. And, and, and I know uh, Instagram and they got an algorithm for what, mm-hmm. what they going to show you. And they, they know yeah. how to trigger you uh, yeah. emotionally. So, uh, I have to I have to keep my limbic system in check. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is it's important. It's important, and and I, I feel like because we're so used to social media, so easy. As long as you got a phone, you know we can get to it. But like, just imagine every time you scroll and see something, it's a triggered re- response. It's an emotional response, and it's draining. It's very draining. And sometimes we don't even think about how draining it is because that's part of our normal routine before these things start happening. You know, we would be on social media to see what's going on in the world. That's where we get our news information from or seeing what other people are doing. So that's our normal routine. But now it's traumatizing going back and seeing the things that's going on on social media. So I, I appreciate you protecting your peace and protecting yourself and setting those limits when you decide to digest some of the things on social media. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, now with this this COVID nineteen, not only people are people experiencing loss and job loss and uh, you know divorce rates and things like that, but there's also people who are struggling with uh, feeling lonely and feeling isolated and, and disconnected, and and now it's going to be it's even more so uh, with everybody walking around with a mask on and social distancing. And um, can we can you explain to us the difference between uh, lonely versus uh, being alone, and and why do we feel uh, lonely even when we are in a room of a thousand people? What what is that, and how do we close that that distance? Excellent question. Uh, uh, to me, I feel as though loneliness comes from the lack of desires. Meaning, this is something. There's something that I want that I'm not able to get, and I begin to overthink, or you know what I'm missing, what I'm lacking, and that causes that frustration of loneliness. Um, And until those needs are met, then I may be in that space of I'm without. And to me, that's, it's a state of mind. I've used loneliness as a state of mind. So, because some of us could be uh, surrounded by family, friends, money, career, life, and still be lonely. So I don't think it's things. I, I feel as though it's an internal process that someone has to have to find to make sure they're getting their needs met. So being in these spaces where you feel lonely, more than likely there's some needs not being met. And can, for some of us, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, can you give us an example of, because you said it's not things. So what, what, would, it, what would it be typically that, that we do require or in need? So for me, I think it's, it goes back to authenticity and knowing yourself. So if I know myself, I know when I'm missing something. I know when I need something. An example for, for me, I'm, an, I'm, I'm practically an only child. I grew up an, as an only child. And for me, I enjoy isolation. I enjoy spending time with myself because I've done it my whole life. So when I don't do that, I can be in spaces full of people and feel lonely because I miss my me time. So for me, it's very rare that I'm lonely because I know I need that time. So if I don't get it, I'm feeling some kind of way. So I got to make sure I get my me time no matter what's going on in life. So if I get my me time, I can be in a room full of people and feel great 
because I took care of my internal struggle of loneliness. And that loneliness, I need to reconnect with myself. And all of us have a way of reconnecting or connecting. And some of us don't know what that is. Um, but when you know yourself, you know what you need and you get, you're able to get your needs met and it may not be things. Uh, another example for me, like being close to nature, I I learned recently that I'm an empath and learning more about being an empath. I reconnect by being in nature, being around things that I noticed God made, like this isn't man-made, you know, the things that surround me, the ocean, the beach, you know, the sand, because I live, I live by the shore. So it's like I recharge and reconnect by being in nature. And that fills me, even if I'm completely by myself. I'm not lonely because I'm fulfilled by the things that surround me. So that's an example. Man, I you just uh, shed a light on, uh, you know, I love that idea of I miss me. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and, and I think that um, when especially in a relationship and in tight areas, we we don't know how to express that. And so we go, just give me my space. And why are you so close? Yes. I mean, and I'm, I'm projecting. <laughs> like I, I've said that. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, get yes. away from here. You always follow me. And, yes. <laughs> and, and I, I never understood it as um, I miss me. I, 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 you know, I've been evolved enough to say, you know, I need some alone time or I just need to go, you know, be by myself. But the, but the idea of I miss me and feeling yeah. me instead yeah. of because right because you know being an empath you are you're when you're around people you're you're hyper aware of everybody exactly. else's needs and and so exactly. you're, you're, it disconnects you from yourself. Yes, absolutely, nail on the head. And and to me, I feel like a lot of people don't know that side of themselves. They don't know that part of themselves. But if you think about it, any relationship, you know, marriage or you know, significant other. There was a life before that person came into your life. All of us had a life pre this person. And I feel that oftentimes we forget about that life. We forget what it was like to be single or to do things on our own because we're so consumed in that relationship or that person that we lose ourselves in that other person doing what they enjoy or what we enjoy as a couple. And it takes away from what we used to do individually. Uh, Because last time I checked, we came into the world alone, you know, by ourselves. Uh, and that's how we're going to leave. So I think it's really important for all of us to make sure that we spend time with ourselves as needed. And if I, I, I don't feel comfortable spending time alone or getting my needs met, then that says I'm not aware of myself and what I truly need. So you mentioned this, you know, you said you were projecting where it's like, you know, give me my space, get out the way or whatever. I don't know. The truth is I just need to separate myself. I may need to get away for a minute or I'm tired of coming back into the house and seeing you here. <laughs> you know, it may be a different kind of conversation, but if we don't know those things, like we 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 project or we may self-sabotage where I need to get some needs met, but I don't know how to express that. So let me start an argument. So there, therefore, I know I can storm out and get some time to myself. Now, nobody will say that out loud, but that's what happens oftentimes. And, and, argument. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because on, on the flip side, uh, what what you're bringing to light also is the the concept of I miss you, right? Yes. Because but we don't say it like that. We go where you been? Yes. Right. Right. So yes. it's we we have this aggressive way of talking to ourselves, but also of talking to the other person, and we don't come from a place of vulnerability of saying I missed you, and yes. and I and, and I'm telling you, if you could find a way to express that to your partner. Your, your partner would be around a lot more to hear. I, I missed you versus where were you? I agree. I agree. A hundred and fifty percent. And I feel though, you know, a lot of times we haven't been taught how to communicate effectively with our partner and with ourselves. And that keeps us in that downward spiral of, you know, we keep repeating the same thing where it's like, where you been versus I missed seeing you. I missed you being around or, you know, I want to spend time with you, but instead of saying that, it's you always at work or you're always doing this or that. And the truth is, I just want to spend more time with you. So I, I don't feel as though we know how to effectively communicate. And that's where we have a lot of issues within relationships. Is there another phrase that you often hear miscommunicated in either in relationships or in how we talk to ourselves? And then how do we reframe that? Man, you 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 are on point. I love <laughs> 
anytime you want me back to do this interview, I'll come back because you have you have some really great questions that I think is going to be beneficial for the listeners. Um, so part of it is our self-talk. So every day we're constantly talking to ourselves. It's our subconscious or it's our conscious. We're having thoughts. There's there's thoughts that come to our mind a hundred times a day. And some of those thoughts are typically some of them can be unhealthy or negative. So this is me telling myself I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Uh, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. And to me, that's negative self-talk. So for every negative or unhealthy comment made that we make to ourselves, we need at least five to seven or even 10 positive and healthy things to combat that one thing. So if you imagine in one day, imagine how many negative and unhealthy things that we say about ourselves. I look fat. I need a better shirt. I need to stop eating so much. I need to stop binging. So all these things of what I'm saying, what I need to do or I'm not giving myself credit for, I have to find a way to combat that with something healthy. Okay, yeah, I got a little pudge, but I mean, it's quarantine. I'll be okay, you know, or I'm not doing well right now, but I will be. I'm not at the job that I want to be right now, but I will be. And it's changing our conversation that we have with ourselves. Same rules apply to our significant other. We have to be willing to accept our partners for who they are and who they are not. For some of us, we're still trying to get our partner to be what we want them to be instead of accepting them for exactly who they are. You know, what I love is uh, how you you brought you broke down like, uh, you know, I'm 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 this way now. However, uh, in the future, you know, like you're you're talking about your present self. So there's an acknowledgement of, of where you are now. But then there's also the envisioning of where we're going so that you you are reminding yourself of of the journey and of the process so that as opposed to we, we usually make statements uh about ourselves that that end with a that only have a a period in it instead of a comma yes. right yes. uh it's like i'm fat i'm dumb i'm broke versus i'm broke now i love that yes. i'm broke now yes. but i'm i'm going to school i'm working i'm, I'm saving money yes. i'm like you're reminding yourself of all the, the activities and the actions you're taking to move yourself forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to me, like I'm able to do that because I've done the work on myself. And to me, it takes work to kind of retrain your, your thoughts and what you say, because there's power in what we say. There's power in our words and power in our thoughts. So to me, for example, I love using analogies. I don't know anybody who goes to a buffet and talk about everything they don't want at the buffet. Because if you go to a buffet, you talk about everything you don't want, you'll sit down with nothing on your plate. We go to the buffet and we talk about the things that we want and we take the things that we want and take it back to our plate. So to me, why don't we apply that in life? Why spend time talking about the things that I don't want or I don't like versus the things that I do want and that I do like? I like that I've gained this extra five, 10 pounds during quarantine. I like it. Why? Because it gives me a little more cushion, keeps me warm at night. I'm good. You know, I'm celebrating these things that I used to look down upon. And I know this five or 10 pounds is temporary because once this quarantine over, things are lifted. I'm going to get back out there and run and do things that works for me. So I know that what's what I'm dealing with isn't permanent. It's temporary. And when you adopt that mindset, it can change so many aspects about your life. I, I, man, that's fantastic in terms of celebrating yourself, right? Yes. Like that that's a hard thing because I think we we grew up with that being kind of a a selfish thing and or you know uh, arrogant or cocky to talk mm-hmm. about yourself, but really that's what we should be doing is highlighting ourselves. That's why I watch ESPN for the highlights. Exactly, exactly. I, I agree with you. We we don't do it enough. We don't do it enough. And. And, and so do you use uh, vision boards or envisioning at all uh, with your work? And and how do we how do we use that? Because I always hear people say, oh, just visualize what you want. But do you have a, a, a technique or overall uh, uh, in terms of visioning the future or where we want to go? Yes, uh, I am a huge advocate for the laws of attraction. Uh, for any of the listeners, there's this um, uh, book. Uh, it's a video, it's a podcast, it's called The Secret. And a friend of mine told me about The Secret many years ago, and I read the book, couldn't get into it. I did the audio book, couldn't get into it. And then I watched the movie, it was on Netflix, and it changed my whole scope of reality. 
because we attract uh, the things that we speak about, we think about, and we put energy towards. So for me, what I use uh, typically is I'm very mindful of what I say. So again, with the buffet analogy, I don't speak about things I don't want. I speak about things that I do want. So I'm verbally putting information out there that I want. You know, I want a new contract next week. I want to be on a podcast a a week from today or whatever. And it doesn't have to have a deadline, but you're speaking life into existence. So also with speaking and thinking, it's writing. So I write down goals. I write down dreams. I write down stuff that scares me. You know, I want to be a New York Times bestseller within the next five to seven years. That scares me because I haven't written a word yet. (laughs) But the reality is I'm speaking it into existence and I know without a doubt it's going to happen because it's in me. I just have to put it out there. So it's using what we have to get the things that we want. So not only am I thinking different, I'm speaking different, I'm writing down, I'm actually taking action. And to me, that's the combination to get the things that you want. I've used this and even with vision boards, I've done, I do vision boards every year. I've done it since 2012. And every year I put things on vision boards and and every, a lot of things that I put on a vision board, as I look back, I'm able to see that I accomplished them and didn't even know it. And I also have a goal sheet where I have just different random goals that I want to accomplish and I keep it on me. I put it, I write it down, put it on a little index card and I keep it in my pocket because it's just like having a map. You know, what's the point of having a map if you don't have it on you? So I always have the goals that I want to accomplish on me so I can look at it at any point in time and it works. And I have several examples of using the laws of attraction and being able to accomplish the things that I never thought was possible because I spoke it, I thought it, I wrote it down, I took action towards it. Man, I love that idea of keeping your goals on you. Like everybody got yes. their money on them, but do you have your goals on you? I love All that. Day long. All day long. <laughs> All day long. Yeah. It's it, it, it takes practice. It takes practice where, again, it's putting ownership on you. I feel like a lot of times we don't put ownership on us. We, we're looking at other people to figure it out for us or for them to do things, but we're not capable. And to me, we're more than capable of accomplishing any goal, any dream, any idea, but it's, we have to be willing to do the work. So, you know, being on this co- podcast, an example, uh, last year, uh, I wasn't on any podcast and uh, I'm sorry, 2018, I wasn't on any podcast. And then 2019, I, I did on, put on my vision board. I want to be on, I want to be a guest on three podcasts before the end of the year. And before 2019 ended, I was on about five or six different podcasts. And now it's still going. I didn't even have that goal for this year, but people are finding me to just talk on podcasts because I put it out there that I was going to do this and now it's happening. So to me, put yourself out there, put these dreams and goals out there and and put work towards it. You never know what's going to happen. And to me, I have no doubt that every dream that I've ever thought of that I ever had, it's going to come true because most of my dreams have already come true and I'm living my dreams right now. I kid you not. Man, my girl is huge on the vision board. She's been trying to get me to do it forever. I guess I'm going to go ahead and... It's your time, Leo. (laughs) It's your time, man. Stop playing. Listen to your girl. I'm telling you, it will change your life. You won't believe the things that's going to happen when you start putting the laws of attraction to use. I'm telling you. Not what I heard. I'm telling you what I know and what I live by. Man, all right. So we're going to watch the movie and we're going to do that. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yes, there you go. Watch the movie, put the board together. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And when it does, I want you to call me and tell me when it happens because it's going to happen. I guarantee it. And, you know, with this, I want to backtrack a little bit because, you know, this is a suicide prevention podcast. And, and when we talked about, like, the self-talk and how to talk to yourself is I know there are people out there who, who, are, who may be saying, like, I want to end my life. And, and we're talking about how to reframe it and to say, I want to end my life now, but you know, I'm going to call the 1-800-SUICIDE number or I'm going to call a friend. And when I call a friend, I usually, you know, feel better or I want to end my life now, but I'm, I'm going to take a nap and then, and then check in with myself or I'm going to go for a walk in nature. And then, you know, so it, it's there's so many ways to apply this, uh, this idea of acknowledging how you feel now, validate that versus trying to yeah. suppress it. And, and then and then to actively tell yourself, all right, what are you going to do? Uh, to work your way through that and, 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 and then, and then to, to do that because it's a reminder that you have tools and skills uh, to soothe yourself um, and that you're already, you've already taken the actions before and they've worked and, uh, and to keep doing it. So it's a way of reinforcing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Dr. Jason Branch, is there anything that we have not discussed that you you like, man, people need to know this or hear about this or uh, that, that could help people uh, struggling with mental health or anything specific to, to, to uh, minorities or black men? Yes, yes. Quick story uh, that I didn't share a little earlier. The reason that I'm so passionate about counseling mental health, especially for people of color, mainly for black men, is when I was in my master's program, uh, I was in my second year going to graduate and one of my professors was like hey you need to experience counseling for yourself and i was like yeah whatever i'll go and i, I didn't go and when i finally scheduled an appointment with the uh, counseling services on campus i scheduled my first appointment and i canceled it second appointment canceled it again third appointment i finally went and when i went on campus to the, see this clinician i'm looking around my back and around corners to see who sees me as i'm going to see this therapist mind you i'm a student learning how to become a therapist and when i Came and met with my therapist, and you know I never experienced therapy before. I sat and I talked. I felt like I was talking to Oprah. I gave her everything because she was a, she was a black woman. I gave her everything I didn't even know that I had, and it was from that moment that I realized how deeply rooted the stigma and myth about counseling is, especially in the black community. And I decided from that day that I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to. Uh, exposing and, and talking about and discussing and providing services to people of color specifically because we need it, uh, we can benefit from it, and we have so many barriers that prevents us from going, and I want to help change that. And I really appreciate you for being on this journey as well as a black male because the image of us alone in this profession speaks volumes because for a lot of people of color, it's like I don't I don't want to go to therapy because there's nobody that looks like me that does therapy. And we're changing that belief. We're changing that stigma and that myth. So I, I'm very thankful to, to serve on this platform, to, to speak to your audience, speak to people in the community, because this is important. And especially now, we have to start dealing with us, taking care of us and overcoming things so we can be functional and, and, and live a healthy and productive life. And to me, if we're able to take care of the black man, we're able to take care of the black woman. We take care of the black woman. We take care of the black family. We take care of the black family, the community, city, state, nation. And that's my calling. I feel as though God placed me here to do this work, and I love it. I'm passionate about it, and I feel as though everybody could benefit from counseling. Man, Dr. Jason Branch, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I'm going to definitely have you back on. Okay. Uh, no question. <laughs> Um, and then last question I ask this of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them? Honestly, because of my sense of humor, kill yourself tomorrow. Every single day you wake up, tell yourself, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. And if I do this every day, I will never kill myself. And if I do this today, if I say, you know, I'm going to take my life tomorrow, those things that you mentioned, I find other things to do that brings value and connect and, and help me overcome whatever I'm dealing with today. And every day you get an opportunity and a choice to live. And to me, that was with every aspect of life. I'll quit tomorrow. I'll die tomorrow. I'll take my life tomorrow. I'll do whatever tomorrow, which means today it'll never happen. Every single day you tell yourself that is another day that you get to live to tell your story, to help somebody else, to save somebody else's life. That's my truth. Thank you, brother. Plug all your things. Where can people find you, connect with you? Uh, easiest way, www.drjbranch.com. I'm on Instagram, jbranch06, Facebook, Jason Branch. Google me, email me, call me, whatever, any way that I can help you, let me know. Uh, I'm licensed in four states. That's Alabama, Georgia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So if you're interested in a clinician, I am accepting new clients. Um, but I'm available. And to me, I really appreciate you, again, just for having this conversation, talking about these things as two black males, as two black you know, male therapists. It's needed. It's important. And we're doing the work, man. So hats off to you. Much love to all the stuff that you're doing. Thank you, brother. And remember that this podcast is not a substitute for you listeners going to get help, for you going to see Dr. Jason Branch, for you using uh, teletherapy or going in person or, or calling the 1-800-SUICIDE number 
or, uh, uh, you know, going to group therapy or going for a walk in nature, just, you know, reconnecting, uh, asking, just saying, I miss me, you know, yes. reconnecting with yourself. <laughs> yes. um, this is not a substitute for you taking action. You have to take the first step. You have to be proactive. You're responsible for your life. And and I, I appreciate you tuning in and sharing it. Um, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, Dr. Branch. Thank you. Remember, today's episode was brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line and wants you to start living a happier life today. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals or feeling connected, go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo now. Enjoy your 10% off and start moving closer to happiness and thriving today.